0: You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Thanks, Bevan, and thanks, Seabreeze. It's great to meet you all and be here. Some of you I know, and a lot of you I don't. So I wish we had time to hang out and get coffee together. But before I get in our message today, I just want to say thank you, Seabreeze. Um, you guys really have, whether you know this or not, you guys have been a big support for Pathfinder Church in Reno. In fact, Um, and hopefully this is an encouragement to you. I consider you guys one of our sending churches, and here's why. You gave some of the most money that we've received from any church has come from you, and then you gave us something even more valuable, one of your people, Jonathan Graham. And so, yep. Our team loves John. We call him John. He's Reno John. I think he's Johnny here, right? But he's Reno John, and we love him and he brings a lot of gifting and talent, and we're all getting used to actual cool weather in Reno. And John had to get used to hot weather too, so it was a little different. We were from Riverside. We're saying, wow, it's so temperate here in the summer in Reno. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? It's hot. So let me transition though. The medium of the life that we all actually live, the structure of life that you walk through day in and day out Where you, you know, the the part of your life that makes your life good, that makes your life bad, that you actually experience it to its full extent is actually your relationships. And you've been looking over the past few weeks, kind of some of the secret sauces or the fundamental skills required in building good relationships. And you've really been focusing on friendship. And some call this skill friending. And, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that our actual real living Heavenly Father has some thoughts on this. And if you've missed it over the past few weeks and you want to check out a previous message, here's some of the topics that you've been going over. Um, You first looked at how to serve one another. Now, this is an easy thing maybe to start, but boy, this is a hard pattern to set in your life, to serve one another consistently. We also looked at how to speak truth to one another. This is just hard. This is just hard on all fronts to speak accurate, positive truth to each other that's not flattery, and then to speak and have those difficult conversations or to to actually expose the dark parts of your life where you need help. This is hard. And then you looked at how to build up one another, which requires encouragement and correction. This is so good when it's actually experienced and lived out in relationships. I love the encouragements and corrections that I've received in my life. But today, we're actually going to talk about how to keep and maintain good relationships and good friendships once we actually get them. So in order to kind of set the stage, I'm going to tell you a little story, a couple quick stories about my life. Um, Over the past decade or so, now remember, I'm from Riverside, right? I I lived in Riverside before Reno. Now I'm from Reno, so this can happen in Reno as well. But um, I've been a victim of theft on multiple occasions, all right? I've actually had a car stolen twice. Um, I've recovered it both times. One, it wasn't in such great shape. Um, my house has been burglarized, and a couple different times, actually a few different times. And when I found this out, as you would suspect, I was angry, right? I was so angry, you know, and I called the police, and I wanted justice, and I even thought of ways that I could maybe lure the thieves back and stalk and hide out, and, and then maybe have police on speed dial and capture them. Now, you know, it was to get my stuff back, but it was mostly because I wanted justice and vengeance, all right? I wanted them to pay, okay? And so, you know, my first thought wasn't mercy, understanding, and grace, And you don't want to know what the worst part of this is, which I think you can all identify with me with wanting justice. But here's the worst part of this. When I was a young man, and I hate to admit this to you, when I was a young man, I actually went on a theft spree of my own. I broke into cars, stole stuff from stores, and eventually confessed this to my parents, and they had me pay a lot of restitution for this. So how is it? that after committing a similar crime, I was so eager to run the justice and revenge. Now it's one thing to talk about the people we don't know that well, right? It's another thing to talk about the people we live with every day. So here's another story that I'm actually more hesitant to tell you about (laughs) because it makes me look worse, (laughs) if I could look any worse. So a few years ago, I totaled my wife's car it was clearly my fault. Her response was she was sad, but she had grace with me. She's sitting over here, so thank you. And uh, <clears throat> so we bought a new car, all right, which was, hey, when we got another car and it was better. And uh, no more than three months later, I rear-ended someone, actually here in Huntington Beach. They didn't, they didn't drive the way I intended them to drive. And As you know, when you rear-end someone, it is your fault because you can always have a space cushion. My wife again, sad, but very gracious. Now, fast forward a couple of years. One day, I find a small little dime or nickel-sized dent on the hood of my... I had just bought this 2004 runner that was like vintage, and I thought it was awesome, and I still have it today. And it's the greatest car ever, you know. Not really, but to me it is, you know. And... um, I found this dent and what had happened was is my wife was up in our garage attic and she accidentally pushed something off and it fell and hit my car. And she confessed it to me and told me, I wish I could say that my response was sad but gracious. It wasn't. I wanted, I felt justified in my frustration towards her, guys. And I didn't want to forgive her very quickly. I needed her to know how upset I was you know? I needed to kind of stew in that for a little while. I needed to perseverate on that emotion. I needed someone to pay. Now, I wasn't a total jerk about it, but I didn't let it go. And when I finally came to my senses, and thankfully I did, and it wasn't long, and I realized I needed to apologize, I still found myself hesitant to humble myself, to to take responsibility, and to ask for for forgiveness. Now, looking back, I'm actually embarrassed to admit this to you. I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm actually a pastor. I'm supposed to forgive, right? So why is this so hard for us? C.S. Lewis says, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. And I believe he's actually capturing one of the essential flaws in being human, and that is we struggle to give forgiveness even while enjoying the fruits of receiving forgiveness. We just struggle, don't we? And this is a problem because we were made for healthy relationships, weren't we? We need them. We want them. Try to imagine right now if everyone you love was no longer around. Many of you have lost people that you love that are no longer around. So you can imagine this. What would your life be like? What is it like? I used to be a grief counselor, mostly to widows and widowers. And I was always amazed at just how completely disruptive the loss of someone dear was to a person's life. And for a long time, basically, it changed their life. It completely changes your life when people are gone. So think of every movie in which a person is the last person on earth, right? Or at least they think they are for a while. What do they start doing? Start talking to mannequins, start talking to volleyballs, right? (laughs) You know, and it's part of our narrative that we need close relationships, just like it's part of our narrative that we continually hurt one another. Now, I'm not excusing our hurt. This isn't a message on excusing our hurt. We actually need to stop hurting one another. We actually need to grow. It's not enough just to ask for forgiveness. We need to stop hurting each other. But that's another message for another day. Okay, Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. So here's kind of the summary of the heart of the problem. We need close relationships. We continue to hurt one another. Even while in the process of maturing and changing, we still hurt one another. And then we struggle to forgive. And that unforgiveness actually creates a wall here. I think I have a picture there. There's the wall. Imagine that wall. They couldn't just really walk around the corner. It creates a wall brick by brick and hurt by hurt. And we struggle to, as Colossians 3.13 says, it advises us. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. We can eventually get to a place where we cannot do this. And this is why at Seabreeze and our network of churches that we collaborate together with actually emphasizes a hard attitude, and it's clearing up relationships. All right. Taught to number four, clear up relationships. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And what this allows us to do is to keep those bricks from piling up. You know, as those bricks of hurt begin to pile up in that wall between us, clearing up a relationship is essentially taking one of those bricks, dealing with it, and throwing it away. Imagine if you kept that wall from growing, right? You could relate a lot more freely, couldn't you? The problem is, is when that wall gets really high, then we have a lot of work to do. But even then, we still need to tear that wall down brick by brick. So today, we're going to look specifically at one of Jesus' parables. It's called the Unforgiving Servant. And this may actually help us, all right? And this parable is actually found in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is one of Jesus' 12 disciples for those of you who are just unaware of that, and many people are unaware of that. And so who, he actually ended up following and walking with Jesus when he was here on earth. And he actually ended up dying for his belief and faith and walk in Jesus Christ. He, his devotion to Jesus. And in this part of the book of Matthew, Jesus is actually alone with his closest followers. And he's attempting to explain how different, how different his ways are than the world's ways. You know, he's turning basically their values upside down. Here's an example of some of his teachings he's given him in this talk. He's basically saying, you gain honor by serving others. You know, instead of getting revenge, you forgive and do good to your enemy. You gain true wealth by actually giving your wealth away. So while Jesus is teaching all of this, he answers a very real and serious question that one of his disciples, Peter, has for him. And it's actually the same question we have. So let's take a look. It says in Matthew 18, it says, Then Peter came to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, Peter is literally asking the same question you have probably asked or are asking today. When do I stop forgiving and when do I start bringing the pain? (laughs) Or cutting off the relationship. I have a friend who doesn't want to bring the pain. He just wants to cut him off, which is painful. And I've had to talk him off that ledge. And Peter is literally asking that. And Peter thought he was actually being pretty generous, right? Because the custom of that time was to forgive a person three times. So he's like, seven, that's like double what we normally, and add one for good measure, you know? So I'm a really good follower of you, Jesus. Seven times, I'll forgive him. So just to clarify, this is not a message on protecting yourself, self-defense. This is not a message on boundaries and things like that in real deep relationships where there's deep hurt and perpetual hurt. This is a message on forgiveness, all right? There's a bigger package here that you might need to talk to your people about and look in the scriptures and, and gain more perspective on. But we don't have time to cover all that. So we're going to focus in on simply forgiveness. So with that, let's see how Jesus answered Peter. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some versions actually have it 70 times seven. Basically, he's exaggerating There should be no end to our forgiveness here. All right? Now, this is not what we want to hear, is it? I mean, if you really think about it in your heart of hearts, this isn't what you want to hear. You want to hear, where's the end? But I want to to encourage you right now. Anytime the Bible tells you something that... Inside, like, yeah, consciously and with your mind, you might think, yeah, I want to hear this. I know I'm supposed to forgive a whole bunch of times and maybe endlessly, and there should be no limit to it. But inside, you're like, really? Anytime the Bible puts you in that position, that I think is a time to pay attention even more. My friend, my mentor, told me once that he continues to let the Bible ruin his best ideas on life. So let's let Jesus ruin our best idea on forgiveness today. And maybe we can learn some things. And maybe we can come alive. Maybe we can get out of a hole. Maybe we can break down a wall. So let's let him do it. So Jesus tells a parable to help Peter and his disciples and us to see forgiveness know, to see our forgiveness struggle with one another from a different angle. And here's what he's going to help us see it from is from God's angle. All right? So therefore, he's, here's this is the story he's going to tell. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle all his accounts with all of his servants. When he begins to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So you all know what 10,000 talents are, right? So we can move on. Just kidding. So we actually need to understand this a little bit. We need to know what 10,000 talents is. And in my research, okay, the best way I know how to make this have this make sense to us is not to compare it to like 10,000 talents to a US dollar in 2023, okay? I think we would lose something in that. So we're going to compare it to this guy's yearly wage and your yearly wage, I want you to think about a yearly wage, and we're going to think about the servant's yearly wage. So you want to know how many years of salary 10,000 talents is in this story? Have you ever anybody know? Don't don't answer, but <laughs> <clears throat> guess what? It's two hundred thousand years. Two hundred. Thousand years of his salary. I mean, I'm trying to think how someone gets into that kind of debt. Well, how many boats did this guy buy? You know Now, this isn't a real story. This is a parable that Jesus is telling us, and he's speaking in hyperbole, which is exaggeration to kind of help. Drive down a point, but two hundred thousand years of annual salary—that's crazy. And the point is: here's the point. This debt is unpayable, right? Wouldn't you agree? Anybody owe two hundred thousand years of your annual salary right now? I don't think any of you do. <laughs> I hope not. Um but he's drawn a direct correlation in this parable to our sin as humans to a holy God. So let's let's keep that in mind. 10,000 talents compares to our sin to a holy God. Holy God being the king here, servant being us. So let's continue on. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold to another, no longer in his kingdom, his wife and children and all he had until payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I mean, at this point, he's just grasping at straws, right? There's no way this guy can pay everything, but he's like, have patience with me. The only option for someone in this man's position is to humble himself and plead for mercy, right? What else is he going to do? It's his only option. Humble himself and plead for mercy. So let's see what the master does. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. Wow. Can you imagine that? 200,000 years of wages forgiven. Man, our servant, he must have went home and thrown a party, right? I mean, he must have slept good that night. His family must have slept good that night. To be free of that debt and to have a new start, to remain in the kingdom he wanted to be in, That's amazing. So let's, let's see more here. But when the same servant went out, you know, he had to go back to work, right? And go on to his days. He went out and his chest probably was a little bit higher and he felt a little bit better and he breathed a little bit easier. And he went out and he found another one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Okay, he's going to pay it forward, right? Maybe he's going to help some people out here. So we need to know what 100 denarii is, right? Because that doesn't make any sense to us. You know, it sounds different than 100 or whatever the first one was, 1,000 talents. Um, so it sounds different. So here, it's still a pretty large sum of money. We're going to use the same scale of comparing this to salaries. It's not quite a year, though. It's about 20 weeks worth of wages. Still a lot of money, right? If somebody owed you 20 weeks worth of your wages, wouldn't you like to get your hands on that chunk of change? I could do a lot with 20 weeks. That'd be a really, really comfortable emergency fund, wouldn't it? Or a nice down payment on a house for all the young folk, you know? Or a nice payoff for something. That could be a nice toy. I mean, 20 weeks of wages is great. It's a lot. However, 20 weeks compared to 200,000 years, Mm, that's a pretty big distinction. That's a large distinction between these two debts. And Jesus is making that. And what he's actually doing here, if it's not obvious, he's comparing our sin as individuals to a holy God. He's comparing that to our sin with one another. Now, this is the Bible. This is Jesus saying that, all right? He's telling us that. So I'm paying attention. So I don't know if you've ever tried to consider how much greater our sin to God is compared to our hurt with one another. I actually have tried to think about this, okay? And I I don't know if you've actually considered what even what is our sin to a holy God that would be so much greater than our sin to each other. Have you actually ever thought about that? Did you follow me on that statement? I want to make sure I was... We know our sin with each other, right? We feel it. We understand it. And even when we hurt people, we kind of know we hurt someone, typically. But do we actually know how we hurt God? And do we know how we hurt God to where it's 200,000 years of wages compared to 20 weeks of wages? Let me tell you how many times that is, by the way. All right? So I used to kind of consider, you know, in my young man years of contemplating the things of God and faith... I knew that my sin to God was seen worse than my sin to man. And I always thought, oh, that's probably like a thousand times worse, you know? Like, I probably, God's mad at me a thousand times more than a human ever will be, you know? When God was mad at me before I became a Christian. But 20 weeks of wages compared to 200,000 years of wages is 520,000 times more. Now, if you're a math person, don't get hung up on this. What I don't think God's trying to do is make an equal and exact comparison. What he's trying to say is, guys, it's a lot more. It's a lot more. I've forgiven you a lot more than you've ever forgiven each other. So, there's a large chasm between our wrong towards God than are wrong towards one another. Now, have you ever actually tried to figure that out? Think about it. and maybe, maybe this will help you. Maybe this will help you. What did we do so wrong towards God? Why is it so much worse? When I mistreat my wife, and some people mistreat their wives horribly in this world, there's abuse and affairs. There's murder. Reno, actually, out of all the cities in the United States, has one of the highest per capita domestic violence rates. Part of that has to do with alcohol. It has one of the highest per capita drinking rates in the United States as well. It's also voted the happiest place in America to live right now, too. So It's not all bad. (laughs) Maybe that's because of all the drinking. I don't know. (laughs) But um, so... But, but here's, here's what helps me and maybe this will help you. Think about this for a minute. You're a holy God. There's nothing above you, no being, no entity, no other universe out there, nothing. You are it. You are by true definition, capital G-O-D, God. You made time, you made everything. You have no beginning, no end. There's nothing greater than you anywhere or anytime. This God upholds every subatomic particle in existence right now, all the time, every second. Everywhere. He created your bodies. He upholds every atom right now, every heartbeat you have, every breath of air you take. Every calorie that's translated into energy right now that keeps you alive, he is responsible for. And yet, we have turned to him and said, no, thank you, God. I will be my own God. He has every right to rule his creation. And us as created beings have turned at him and essentially said, get away. We've essentially flipped him off. And I don't mean that funnily, I mean that seriously. How madness, that's madness. If you really, 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 really think about it, it's madness, it's horrific. And I don't even fully understand it. But I know what Jesus says. Jesus says it's 520,000 times worse than anything you people can do to each other. And he forgave it. So let's see what our servant does. Let's see what our servant does. When he's asked to be forgiven his debt. And seizing him, this is the man that owes him money, he began to choke him. It's not off to a good start. Saying, Pay what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down. Okay, he's doing the same thing, pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He actually probably could pay him, right? 20 weeks? That's he could do that. He refused. And went and put him in prison until he should pay all the debt. What a villain, right? I say we go get this guy and chain him up. He was forgiven so much, and yet he did not forgive anybody else. Don't worry, he's gonna get tatted on here. It says, When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. And I want you to listen to these words and take them to heart. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also... This is Jesus talking now, my heavenly Father will do the same to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. These are hard words to hear. One can actually get off on a tangent and start worrying about different aspects of following God. Um, if you're like me, you know maybe you, you know you might be saying like, "Well, if I struggle to forgive, does that mean God's done with me?" or if I've already Found forgiveness from God and committed my life to him as Lord and boss of my life, which is the definition of what it means to be a Christian. Can I lose that? And I'm not going to be able to resolve all the tension that these passages bring up in this message, and that's okay. You know, What I've actually found that some of the passages that stir me up the most um, when I wrestle with them, those are good times to wrestle with truth. And what does the Bible say about truth? It says the truth will set you free. So, don't be afraid of truth. But to help us resolve a little bit of tension, we need to remember that Jesus is not being asked a question about assurance here or salvation. He's answering a question about forgiveness. And however, but here's what I do think, here's, here's a lesson we do learn from this final verse is one of the distinguishing marks of a true believer means that you will end up developing, I'm using these words very specifically here, developing a pattern of forgiveness that is limitless as you mature through life. So with that said, let's quickly run through some application here, okay? First thing we learn is that limitless forgiveness is hard but required for a Christian. It's really what's required. You know, what are the sins right now that are hard for you to forgive? Are they the constant irritations? Some of you, it's the constant irritations, right, from people. Is it the slaps to your ego? Is it the perpetual sins? where the person just is trying to get over a pattern and they just keep blowing it? Or is it those big ones? Like, you'll forgive a lot of stuff, but if it's a big sin, I don't know. And actually, those are hard. I I get it. There's reasons they're hard. If you could see your sin from God's perspective, like if you could look into your life and the pattern of your life from God's perspective, what would be some of the patterns you would see over and over again in your life? And I want you to realize is that giving forgiveness is always going to come with risk. And it's always going to come with leaving justice to someone else. Next thing we will is we need to be aware of our debt before God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say for some. It says for all. And our debt actually separates us from God just like the servant was going to be sold to another kingdom. Romans 2, 8, and 9 says, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress from every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. Guys, becoming a Christian is not just a gimmick to make your life better. Don't hear me wrong here. I think that following Jesus is the only way to live. It's the only way that's going to bring true blessing and happiness. So it is a great way to live. It's a hard way to live, but it's a great way to live. It's the only way to bring that word joy into your life. Joy is the best word in the universe. You should look it up and study it. It's a great word. And I'm after it. But Really, what becoming a Christian means is that we have peace, peace. We're no longer at war. We have peace, and we are reunited with a God who is mad, 520,000 times more. The next thing we learn here is the only way to get our debt forgiven is to humbly ask, all right? Humbly ask, and then God actually sets the standard for forgiveness. You know, and the best way I know how to think about this is in our economy, we have a gold, we used to have a gold standard for American money, right? Now we just agree that it, mean, has value, right? But if we all change that agreement, it doesn't have any value. But it actually used to have a gold standard. Forgiveness exists in our world, but do you know why? Because there's a gold standard for forgiveness. It's called what Jesus Christ did. It's called God forgave us, so it exists in the metaphysical universe. There really is a thing called forgiveness. And it's real. And so when we offer forgiveness to someone, it's it's backed by what God did. So here's a few ways to actually apply this as we wrap up here. To receive true forgiveness from God, we we need to receive... Sorry. Sorry. Here's a a couple ways to wrap this up. If you you haven't yet, you need to learn, you need to receive true forgiveness from God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't become a Christian and receive that forgiveness for the first time, I want to encourage you on your connection card to write, I'd like to talk to someone about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. And just talk to someone here at Seabreeze. They're not going to, you know, we don't have to close the deal, you know. It's not about that. It's about helping you figure some things out. And if you really need this, boy, your life is going to change. You're going to be like that servant who goes home and celebrates. And it'll be good. We also need to keep our relationships clear with people. And here, I'm going to quickly tell you how to do that on both fronts. If you've wronged someone, here's some quick steps to doing that. You need to just name what you did. Name the wrongdoing. I yelled at you out of anger. And then say you're sorry. And sorry doesn't mean I'm sorry I got caught or I'm sorry. It's something we have to say. It means I really wish I hadn't done that and I hope I don't do that again. And then ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And leave it between them and God. Don't demand it. Say this every time you hurt someone. I say this to gas station attendants when I get frustrated with them sometimes. And they don't know what to do with it. The next thing is if someone has wronged you, here's what I want you to say. And you, and you realize you're not being nitpicky and you want to really like wrap this. You, you, you know, you're not being nitpicky and you've actually realized you're not being weird. You actually have a real pattern that's justifiable. The hurt is justified. And so go to them and say, I still want to relate to you. But when you do this, and name the specific pattern or specific hurt they have for you, when you do this, it hurts me. So could you stop it? Or could we at least talk about it? And take down that wall? This will be the harder one than you asking for forgiveness, by the way. Just going to warn you. Do this. Each one of these two things, this is how you take those bricks down. This is how you knock them down. I don't care if you have to do this every day. Do it every day. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to wrap up. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for how you are real and you really forgave us, God. Lord, I pray that even people in this room, Lord, who are still exploring who you are for the first time, Lord, that, they will, that you, you will open their eyes to the reality of you, open their eyes to the fact that they need your forgiveness, Lord, and help them to humbly ask for it to plead on your mercy. And guess what? Your mercy will be there. Thank you, Lord, for great salvation. And thank you, Lord, for great maturity that you continue on. You don't just save us, you grow us up. So thank you for that. And in Jesus' holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.